0: Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on July 3rd, 2022. To find out how to join us in person and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk
1: So welcome again to our space here in St. James and also to you at home on Zoom. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and somebody said, it's good to see you. And somebody else replied, it's good to be seen. Ian's reflection later will be looking at one of Jesus' resurrection appearances where he is seen and where Thomas allows his own vulnerability and doubts to be seen. So, just a moment to invite you into what is it that you're bringing to this space, the struggles and the joys of this week. Let's ring our bell and light our candle while you take a minute to what is it that you long for to be met in you from the struggles and joys of this week. We remember the light that accompanies us in all that we bring. All of you is welcome here. It's good to see you. Let's begin our opening prayer together. If you're at home, please do unmute and join in with the bold text. Friend and stranger, welcome in the name of Jesus. We gather together, putting our trust in the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Amen. Blessed are you, O God, maker of heaven and earth, giver of all good things. Creation sings your praises. Blessed are you, O Christ, Son of God eternal, bringer of good news to the poor.
2: Creation
1: cries out for your justice. blessed. Blessed are you, O Holy Spirit, giver of life and renewal, Uniting us in worship and service. Creation Creation longs longs for for wisdom. Let's stand for our first song. Stay standing for confession. Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us in silence confess our feelings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourselves and to each other. May all that is unfree in you be released and may you blossom into a future graced with love. Amen. And our Gloria. So let's sing once all together and then twice as a line. we say together our collect for today God our Saviour look on this wounded world in pity and in power hold us fast to your promises of peace won for us by your son our Saviour Jesus Christ amen our first reading this
3: morning is from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 22 you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. is taken from the gospel of John chapter 20. In your sheet it might say um, 24 to 29 but it's actually starting at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he'd said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. One of the disciples, Thomas, known as the twin, was not there at the time with the others. When they kept telling him, we've seen the Lord, he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand in his side. Fair enough. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them and greeting them. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger into my hands, reach out your hand into my side. Don't doubt anymore, believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. Then Jesus told him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Praise to you, Lord
4: Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these holy stories that have the power. To speak to us centuries after they were written. And we ask this morning that you would help us, each one of us here, to hear what we need to hear. And for those words to drop from our heads into our hearts. So that we may be increasingly transformed into Christ. Amen. Amen. thank you a very very rich passage uh, this morning Uh, a very well-known passage uh, often called about doubting thomas i want to really look at three things Uh, first of all um, a follow-on from last week where i talked about uh, the idea of jesus stopping that uh, cycle of blaming and attacking Um, and also the role of doubt in our lives a number of uh, uh, people have come to me in this congregation and say, well, I, I'm really struggling with this and I'm not sure I'm a Christian. And I'm thinking, whoa, you, you're, you're on the journey. It's, this is great. Um, and I want to just look at the, the, the role of doubt. Uh, and finally, which comes across in, in this passage that um, Car- Caroline read, is the woundedness of Jesus. You know, very, very powerful. Um, put your hands into my sides. So those are the three uh, areas. So it's a wonderfully rich encounter um, between the risen Christ and his disciples uh, with the story in two parts. The first happens on the evening of the resurrection with the disciples locked up in an upper room, huddled together in fear, utterly, utterly confused, their hopes destroyed and terrified with what the future will hold. And Jesus comes among them for the first time since his uh, death and resurrection. And I want you, i just to uh, uh, put this uh, reflection uh, over to you for a moment, I want you to imagine that you are Jesus, and you reflect on the traumatic, intense weeks of uh, that final week, uh, w- which we call Holy Week, your entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the Last Supper, what happened there. You're agonizing in the garden while the disciples slept. Your betrayal by Judas, but more significantly maybe by uh, Peter, and the agony that you experienced on the cross. And now you, you meet the disciples for the first time. What would you say to them? What might you say to them? What might be your first words? <laughs> don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Yeah, actually, silence would probably just gobsmacks with silence would be a pretty normal response. But after you've got that, don't speak out. Anyone got anything that you, you might say to, you, to those oh. disciples? What might you say to them? Put you on the spot. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Which is kind of what Jesus says. I love you. I love you. I know, I, know what you're too. I know what you're feeling too. Wow. You're a lot more holy than my, I am. You're a lot more holy than I am. I think I'd be saying, Where were you? Where were you when I needed you? We've journeyed together. I've given every drop of blood, literally, every ounce of my love. And I've taught you, I've been with you, and you disappeared. You know, where, where, I would have been there for you. How, how can I ever trust you again? That's, I mean, to be honest, that's what I've been saying. You know, boys, what were you doing? The girls hang around. They were there at the end. They came to the tomb. I mean, just—I uh, think I'd have been—I'd i couldn't have helped myself, but to say, you know, blame them. I—that—that uh, that would be um, my response. So I, I'm pretty impressed with your responses. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> I think that really puts me to shame. Um, But I I want to make the point uh, that I made last week that Jesus, uh, he doesn't play what I call the ABC game, which is the attack, blame, criticize game that we're all responses, that we're all um, very capable of doing when we feel hurt and upset. Um, Instead, he says, peace be with you, shalom. And then he shows them very significantly first thing he does is show them his wounds in his hands and sides and I think that first act illustrates the importance of the the wounds in these first encounters and I'll uh, come back to that later. Then he repeats again the word shalom, peace, and says, as the father has sent me, so I send you. They're actually incredibly tender and life-affirming words. He's saying uh, what you were saying, it's okay, it's okay. There's no need to be troubled, you're all right. You're not on the scrap heap. Giving up everything to follow me was not in vain. You've got some work to do, and you have, more insignificantly you have my authority to do it. And I can't, I can't stress how positive and helpful if you've got a job to do to have external authority, whether it's divine uh, or human, um, I'll give you an example, uh, in the church I was in in Sheffield I was given a remit to bring two churches together from the diocese and I had a clear, clear authority and clear accountability to do that and I had three years to do it and uh, in six weeks we were worshipping together four times uh, a month and that, that, just to have that authority to just go a, external authority. And these disciples have got the authority from Jesus to go and do their job. They're also accountable to Jesus. Incredible, incredible authority. And then after these words, Jesus breathes life on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he reasserts their authority again and says, if you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. In other words, this breath, this breath is a a recreation of Adam who breathed uh, into life at the very beginning of creation. Actually, I I want want to just step back a bit. In in my pastoral, I don't know if Eliza's found that, but in, in pastoral life, people find it very, very difficult to forgive themselves and I think actually they need the voice of another to, get, to give them permission to forgive themselves whether that's God or whether it's in my position a priest to say actually you're forgiven it's okay that's, that's gone um, and I think we do have this incredible power to potentially withhold our forgiveness which means that other people cannot forgive themselves but also we can freely give our forgiveness and that allows a person to forgive themselves and move on. An incredible power, actually. And Jesus is saying to the disciples here, uh, you you have that power to forgive the sins of of, uh, any and also to retain the sins of any. And I think we also have that power. So that, going back to the story, the breath uh, that Jesus breathed is uh, a recreation of Adam who was breathed into life at the very beginning of creation. So now Jesus rebreathes life, rebreathes the Spirit of God onto a new humanity about to be reborn. And in this breathing, he communicates the sharing of his Spirit, of God's Spirit, which is perfect uh, shalom and seemingly total forgiveness. In other words, there's no need to remind them of their failures, no need to punish the disciples in any way, thereby showing the extent of God's love, the fullness of God's love. God is not about recrimination, a God who wants to make us pay for our failures, but actually a God who seems not even to remember. Incredible. And some scholars have argued that uh, the the fact that uh, uh, the name Thomas, which actually means twin in Aramaic, suggests that Thomas is a twin for us all. In other words, a stand-in for humanity. And that Jesus is a stand-in for God. So you have this incredible interface between humanity and God. And so we, our failures, our disloyalty, our selfishness are forgiven. And not only uh, this, as I said, Jesus gives us the power to forgive. And again, as I said last week, the risen Christ uh, and Jesus is all about leading the disciples and us into a new future, which often means letting go of the past. Again, which is why forgiveness is so central, because it takes away the chains that hold us back. The cop in the head, uh, that Augusto Boal, who was a Bra- Brazilian activist um, said that was very common in the Western world. He did a lot of work in Brazil uh, with um, tenants and landowners and tenants who were being uh, oppressed by landowners. And he, did, he created a forum theater, which was a way of providing a space for um, the people that were being oppressed to face their landowners, almost to practice what they were to say. Um, and uh, it started a huge political movement. He then came over to this country, uh, and I was very privileged to to be at a workshop of his, but he said the issue isn't concrete issues in the West, it's the cop in the head, it's the psychological issues that hold hold us back, and he designed a whole different uh, form of theater in order for people uh, to actually deal with uh, this sense of uh, uh, these blockages in our mind. And I think again, forgiveness takes away many of those uh, blockages that hold us back, that give us a sense that we're not good enough or that we do not deserve to live in the fullness of God's grace and mercy. So again, going, I'm constantly digressing in this sermon. After, uh, uh, going back to the second part of our story. Um, Thomas misses Jesus' first appearance But the disciples excitedly tell Thomas, all that's happened. And Thomas responds with the famous words, unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my finger in the mark um, uh, of these nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. And this has often been used as a way of diminishing Thomas's faith because he doubts the resurrection of Jesus. But again, I think Thomas gets a bad press. Uh, and as I said before, faith and doubt are not o- opposites. In fact, they are often two sides of the same coin. Faith and certitude are opposites because if you have certitude, there is no need for faith, no need for trust. In fact, I would go so far as to say that doubt is an essential for spiritual growth. As, uh, I don't know if uh, um, Eliza would say as chaplain, um, it's absolutely key and as a spiritual director i know elizabeth does a lot of uh, spiritual direction i've listened to many people on their spiritual journey and i'm delighted when they're in a solid place um, as we all need those times of calm and and solidity but my antennae goes on full alert when doubts and wounds surface because they provide the opportunity for growth and transformation there's chinks really in the armor that we all have for the light uh, and for God to shine through. So I suppose what I'm saying is doubt does not need to be the death of faith but actually the road to a deeper new expression of faith that is less about belief and more about relationship with God and others and often infusing us with compassion and empathy. <laughs> and Brian McLaren um, who uh, now works, I think, with Richard Raw, uh, an evangelical pastor, comes from a very conservative evangelical uh, background, has written about how doubt was an essential ingredient in his personal journey from orthodoxy, right belief, to orthopraxy, or right way of life, and how uh, it's been a tool for him of love, of drawing him even closer to God. <clears throat> And uh, it's why I I sort of passionately believe um, in the importance of our open room that uh, Richard and Elspeth uh, uh, um, run, or heretics group as they call it. Because it actually provides a space to question and express doubt. And if you've experienced uh, that discussion, that group, it's not about banging nails uh, into the coffin of Christianity It's actually about opening ourselves up to the possibility of a new way of seeing, a new way of believing, and a new way of being. Um, And uh, I think this move from orthodoxy, right belief, to orthopraxy is really, really important. And I don't don't want to steal um, (coughs) jolly and thunder, but I think the Good Samaritan is is, uh, the sermon next week. And I think that story is not about hypocritical uh, religion it's actually about this move from orthodoxy to orthopraxy because the Levite uh, and the priests I don't think they they were discompassionate and didn't want to cross the road I think they were struggling with their belief system I think their belief system said that uh, they could not go near a dead man uh, five meters from a dead person And I believe that they probably did have compassion, but they were really struggling uh, with this issue. Their belief said that they they shouldn't do it. Their compassion probably said that they did. The Samaritan had the same issue. The Samaritan belief system was the same. But somehow, the Samaritan, it says in the Bible, the Samaritan's guts were churned. When it says compassion, his guts were churned. And the compassion for the person there overrode his belief system. There was a move from orthodoxy to orthopraxy. Now please don't take what I'm saying is that our beliefs aren't important, they are. We all need a belief system. But I I sincerely believe that Jesus is saying that compassion for another human being should always override uh, whatever our belief system is and maybe change it, maybe begin to change it. Um, again, I digress. <laughs> uh, and so, this, this place of doubt, um, the author Sue Kidd, um, again in a meditation from the Center of Action and Con- Contemplation quite recently, says, says this What has happened to our ability to dwell in the unknowing, to live inside a question and coexist with the tensions of uncertainty? Where is our willingness to incubate pain and let let it birth something new? What has happened to patient unfolding to endurance? These things are what form the ground of waiting. And if you look carefully, you'll see that they also are the seedbed of creativity and growth. What allows us to do the daring and to break through to newness. So as I said, these struggles, these inner struggles we have are an important part of our faith journey and for our own creativity. So again, returning to this amazing encounter between Thomas and the risen Christ, which I believe is less about doubting the resurrection, but more about believing that somebody can be wounded and resurrected at the same time. Repeat that, that they can be wounded and resurrected at the same time. A message that I, I believe we all need to take into our hearts because we are all wounded to some degree and we need not be ashamed of our wounds like Jesus said, look at my wounds, touch my wounds. And then Jesus says these extraordinary words, put your finger here, touch and feel my wounds. And Jesus is inviting Thomas into the scariest of encounters to touch another's wounds which I believe uh, requires great courage and tenderness because we too are likely to be touched. And again, pastorally, uh, time and time again, when I'm gone to help somebody that's in a a place of uh, woundedness, I always come away thinking I've been ministered to as much as I've ministered to them. And Henry Nouwen said, who can listen to a story of loneliness and despair without taking the risk of experiencing similar pains in their own heart and even losing their precious peace of mind? Who can take away suffering without entering into it? And again, recently, uh, I I don't know if you saw it, I saw a a documentary by uh, Fergal Keane, the famous... uh, War reporter, correspondent, who told his story about uh, post-traumatic stress that he would received, uh, particularly his time in Rwanda where he saw horrendous things, and these uh, events really um, sort of uh, went into wounds that he experienced as a child, and then he began uh, to, to uh, practice many addictive um, patterns, including uh, dependency on alcohol. Anyway. S- s- through this searing honesty about himself and through counselling and peer group accountability, he began this journey of, of healing and has now gone back to war zones. He looks after himself a lot better, but he still reports because he feels it's important. But an example of someone being wounded and resurrected at the same time. Similarly, uh, I don't mind, Robert did a fantastic uh, podcast recently um, uh, about this, about how Uh, His wounds, he's able to minister from them to other people. I won't give a detail, but maybe uh, um, I could do a link to that podcast and people could could listen to it. But a really, really powerful um, uh, talk about this ministering out of our wounds. And this follows the pattern of ministry of Jesus. As it's through Jesus' wounds that uh, our wounds are healed. And like Christ, we are wounded and resurrected at the same time. And if we allow our wounds to be redeemed, to be healed, then it is out of them that we will minister and heal others most effectively. We must never underestimate the power of our wounds, of our imperfection, of our weakness, of our vulnerability to help others. And again, as I say, I've really been transformed by people who are totally together, confident and outwardly strong. Nothing wrong with that, it's good. But I have, I have been changed when I've been invited to touch the wounds of another and allow myself to be touched by the wounds of another. And I can give example after example, which I won't do now, uh, of that actually happening. And I think there are times when we are called to tenderly put our fingers into another wound, into another's wounds, to touch and be touched by another's wounds, to walk alongside a person in their woundedness and there are times with discernment and wisdom when it is right to share our wounds so that we, and so that others may be touched and healed. And I'm not glorifying suffering and pain or diminishing its horrendous impact. But it does give our suffering um, some meaning, some pain that if our wounds can be used for the good of others. So really, just to say that we're all in this together, we are all indeed wounded to varying degrees and resurrected at the same time. And maybe a healthy, uh, what a healthy community can provide is a space, a refuge that our, our psalm talk, talks about where it's safe enough to touch and be touched by another's wounds. And I know that that happens uh, in this community. It's one of the strengths, I think. And through that process, as a community, we can then be a healing process, uh, a presence rather, for others outside our community. Amen. Just going to have a moment's quiet before um, we uh, come to our prayers. So just Just meditate for a few moments in quiet on those words and on that passage. I'm going to invite Paul to lead us in our prayers from home.
0: God says in Isaiah, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. You are mine. When I say into your hands I commend my spirit, would you respond You have redeemed me. Into your hands I commend my spirit for you. We pray about our doubts, our hurts, our guilt all that wounds us and we bring it before God. We ask for his forgiveness. We ask for healing. Into your hands I commend my spirit. We pray for the world, thinking especially of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. We pray for President Zelensky, President Putin, and we pray that there won't be any further escalation in the warfare. We pray for all political leaders, both internationally, nationally, and locally. We pray that they will have integrity. Above all, we pray for peace in the world and in our lives. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. As we pray for the church, we pray for healing of the divisions within our own church and within the churches, the Christian church worldwide. We pray for the meeting of bishops at Lambeth at the end of this month and the beginning of next month and to Bishop Mark as he represents the Scottish Episcopal Church. Pray for Bishop John, for Ian and Fiona. And in St James we pray for the development of the healing ministry and for the work among our young people. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Pray for all those who are suffering and wounded, especially refugees, again, those fleeing from Ukraine, those who are now in this country. We pray that we'll give them hospitality. Pray for the victims of the earthquakes in Afghanistan. They're now in Iran. Pray for those who've been waiting for some time for a a diagnosis in the health service or are waiting for treatment, for those in care homes, and we pray for all who care for them. Into your hands I commend my spirit. We pray for ourselves, recognizing that we are redeemed, that our fears can be taken away, that we've been called by name, that the Spirit lives in us and enables us and heals us. Help us to have the faith that Thomas had when he said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And thank you for Jesus' response. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Amen.
1: As you go forth from this place, may the wind of the Spirit startle your senses and blow through your life. May the fire of the Spirit scorch your complacency and light your way. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always.